Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of Food, Wine, and Whiskey. I am Rob, joined by Carter. How you doing, buddy? I am good, man. Ready to talk a little wine. Did you notice what I did there on the uh, the intro of the podcast? No. What did you do? I left off the uh, In Your Own Backyard. Kind of doing a little rebranding. Oh, I see. Okay. Just going to be food, wine, and whiskey. Okay, cool. Shorten it up a little bit, a little easier to remember. Easier to, I don't know. Yeah, I like that. I like that. Food, wine, and whiskey. Food, wine, and whiskey. That's that's who we are. Simple. That's what we do. Yeah. (laughs) Didn't know if you'd catch that. I was like, I'm going to do this. Let me see if Carter catches on. You know what? I did not. But, uh, you know, I was too excited about the topic of the day. Which is? We're talking wine essentials, right? I mean. Yeah, just kind of, you know, wine basics or. Yeah. Kind of. Wine 101. Yeah, wine 101. Just, and and we're by no means experts. Uh, No. We probably know some people that we could have had on for this episode that. We could have just shut up, let them talk, and it would have been way better. But, hell, me and you thought we'd give it a crack. Well, I mean, do you come here for the experts, or do you come here for the witty commentary? This uh, is true. You know, this, and, and so the, you're saying the experts we have on are not very witty and funny? Or? Some are. Sorry, sorry, <laughs> sorry Chris. Sorry. Oh, God. Sorry, John. <laughs> no, we love our guests. We love our guests. But, uh, but yeah, sometimes you guys want to learn a little bit about kind of our opinions, right? Yeah, I mean, absolutely. Right, wrong, or indifferent, we're going to give them. Yeah, and so where we are, and I love, I love the word. It applies in bourbon and also in wine. In our wine journey, uh, these are just kind of some things. We're going to share our experience and kind of the knowledge we've gained over our travels through wine, what we like, what we don't like, not saying you should like what we like and don't like, but just kind of figuring out how to get into wine, how to maybe fit into a a group that's into wine. If you're at a dinner or something like that, taking a bottle to to somebody's house and things like that, buying wine, glassware, just going to kind of go through and talk about Wine in general. What do I got to have? What do I got to do? By the end of this episode, you'll be a wine raisin yourself. A wine raisin. That was a fun episode. Yeah. I think we might describe some things that would qualify us. Yeah, uh, I've definitely got some. I'm leaning there. Raisins could sometimes be substituted for snob, too. Uh, True. There's, to me, two kinds of snobbery in, in wines. Okay. There's the pretentious kind of I'm better than you kind of snobbery. Yeah. And then there's just, you know... You just know you want something good and you want it, you know, the right way in the right glass to really appreciate what you're getting. It's not the, you know, you want to share with people and things like that. It's just that you go, I know this is a good wine. Don't give me a shot glass to drink it out of. I need to have a good glass. That's kind of a little bit of snobbery that, you know, but. Well, uh, yeah, I mean, I'd say like. Drink how, drink it how you want to. Drink it how you you know it, how you w- want it, how it makes you feel good. Whatever, but I will. Well, say enough of it will make you feel. Enough good. of it will make <laughs> you feel good. But I, I'd say like this is kind of just giving you some information how to uh, um, it, it excel your your enjoyment experience. You know to to improve it. Yeah, and, and I think that's the first thing we should touch on. You, you kind of said it there. Drink what you want to, meaning. Drink whatever you like. If it tastes good to you, if somebody shared something with you and you go, that's good, drink it. Enjoy right. it. There, there's no, you know, this gets back to my comment about snobbery. Um, 
I don't look down on anybody for what they enjoy. If their palate says this is good to me, enjoy it. Drink it all you want. Um, taking that a step further, I would also say if you're getting into wine to really kind of explore and see what's out there and it's a never ending, you're never going to, you know, get down everything, you know, as far as the yeah. rabbit hole of wine. Um, I would say, you know, have a budget, know what your budget is yeah. and kind of buy to your budget is what I would say. Not, not meaning, you know, Hey, if, you, if you're making X amount of dollars, I can afford a hundred dollar bottle every week. I'm not saying do that. I'm saying don't buy the six ninety nine when you're trying to get into wine. You don't have to start down on that bottom shelf. Yeah, with Yellowtail or uh, uh, yeah, Cabernet or whatever, you know, <laughs> yeah. that kind of crap. Yeah. You know, uh, barefoot, barefoot. <laughs> you know, um, I, I'd say like you know, you know, kind of on your point. If you, there's nothing wrong with buying a a, a bottle of wine that has that's got good quality that costs that costs a little bit more. But there's a lot of entry level wines, I would say that that are in the twenty to twenty five dollar price range that you can get a great experience, uh, and you don't. That's not really a bust in the bank. There are some twenty dollar bottles, sub twenty dollar bottles that are that are, are that can be pretty good. Uh, but I'd say anything below fifteen, you're just risking it. You're really risking it. Yeah, and not to say that there's not some good bottles. Between ten and fifteen, there's even less below ten. And, and again, not to say there's not any, but you know the the ratio of hitting a winner when you buy six or seven bottles is not very good. You you might have to do that four or five times before you actually get one that you go. That's not bad. Well, I'd uh, also say on the opposite side of the equation, uh, you're just getting into wine. You've heard some wine brands. We've had kind of an episode a little bit about this. Yeah. You've heard some big names. Sometimes those big names aren't worth the, worth what you're paying for there. So you're saying people are uh, marketing to people? So, you know, you, you, when you talk about big brands, a lot of that, oh, you, you make me think of something right now. Okay. Don't buy the label. Yes. Don't, you know, I know you're, you're known for being, that's a cool bottle. <laughs> Sometimes they look cool. And, that's and, in whiskey. And, yeah. In wine, it may not apply so much. It may not. Sometimes Still a cool bottle, but you might put it back on the shelf once you've kind of looked Sometimes at it. it actually lines up. but Sometimes I mean, it does, it, Machete. But, yeah, Machete, cool. that's a cool bottle. That's a very cool bottle. Terrible wax, but cool bottle. Uh, it's a pain in the ass wax if it's your third bottle in the evening. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> but, but, it, but sometimes it lines up. Don't buy wine for that reason. Don't buy wine for that reason. There, there's, to me, if you have to get really gimmicky for your wine, 19 crimes, uh, <laughs> where you can use a phone app to see what the guy's saying on the bottle, <laughs> um, the likelihood of that being really good in the bottle is, in my experience, very small. Because I think if you make a good product, it stands on its own. I think that's the case with most things. You know, if it's good... Your word of mouth is going to get around that that's a solid bottle of wine, and people are going to buy it because of the juice in the bottle. Yeah, and I'd say there's like two things. Two, okay, so I'd say like when it comes to brands and things like that, a lot of people think Camus. Don't buy Camus. That's just please don't buy Camus. don't don't buy Camus. You're wasting your money. Uh, and now I'm not saying vintage Camus before they kind of changed 25 years ago. Yeah, the, if you find a 25-year-old bottle that's been kept in good condition of Camus, I'd, I'd gladly enjoy that. Uh, and hopefully it didn't turn. Uh, but uh, but I'd also say there are some brands that, like like a Dom Perignon for Champagne, I think it's fantastic. 
it's expensive, but it is very good. So like some some brands kind of maybe not meet the hype, but there there's a reason that they're 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 expensive and and, and it's because they're good. Sure. And then there's some brands that it's like Camus. Uh, you used to be good. Used to be good. Riding the wave of that reputation, and now is still have great marketing, and so newbies into wine want to buy Camus in in America. Yeah. Napa being the place that you typically go to, Camus kind of leads the way, right? Uh, for that high end kind of bottle, which we could probably give you dozens that would be way better at that same price point. Yeah. So so I guess I, I just say buyer beware. Uh, a little bit on when it comes to the higher end bottles, just uh, just try and get a little bit more knowledge. Uh, and bingo! I think you nailed it. I think if you're somebody who's not into wine a lot, but you want to get into wine, maybe you've just been drinking a little bit, trying to go to the store and buy wine and bring a bottle home, and you know you, you like something. First thing I do is you know find some friends that maybe are into wine. Maybe you have some friends that you just have never talked about it and didn't know they're into wine or join a, a group on, uh, you know, Reddit or Facebook or get on Twitter. There's a lot of wine activity on Twitter where you can learn some things and, you know, get some knowledge because I think yeah. that's the biggest part is kind of, you, you don't know everything. So if you can get information from people who have, you know, we said it, taking the journey, you know, have yeah. had that experience. That's the best thing to do other than, just drinking and seeing what you like because ultimately it's your palate, you know. Yeah, and, and I'd say like to, to kind of add on to that, YouTube's a great place. Like there's there's some really good Not that many, but there's a few good ones. There's a few good informative things. So if you want to learn about a style, you could probably look up that particular style of wine yes. and and learn a lot more about it. And then you can ha- at least go into a store and go and, and you go to that section of the store and go okay, I know a little bit about these wines now. So yeah. I know kind of, okay, yeah, maybe I, instead of just getting the Chianti, I get the Chianti Classico Reserva because of the extra aging and all that kind of stuff, you know. And and, and, and that's yeah. that's the kind of knowledge I think is, is, is useful. Um, what I'll say on the negative side of the social media thing, there are some, like, different groups and pages. All they post is, like, hundred dollar plus bottles and it's all about who's like the uh this is good on a tuesday night and it's 347 dollars. yeah it's uh, it, it's all about who's being the most opulent and who's got big balls and, and and to me that's that's not very useful no i mean it's good to see i think it's good and bad it's cool to say oh man these are these might be some cool bottles to try one day you know uh but i think it's bad because you can post a, a picture of uh you know something that's in the twenty five dollar uh, range, and and it's would be kind of not well received or not not necessarily even looked at or acknowledged on on a page. You know, so there's things I'll definitely say, and this this applies to the bourbon community big time too. Sure, like whiskey in general. I mean, just kind of just know in the wine area, you don't have to spend hundreds of dollars to get a quality wine. You, you, you absolutely don't. Far from it. Yeah. And I think you and I agree on this. We would rather find a wine, let's just for simple math purposes, say $30 that we go, this is fantastic. I would actually pay 60 for it, but I'm glad I don't, meaning it's fun to find wines that punch up that you go, man, yeah. this is way better than I would 
expected for a $30 wine. A- absolutely. And then that when you find a bottle like that, then you buy multiple bottles sure. and maybe you lay some down, you know, you want to try and, you know, see what age is going to do to it or whatever and and that's kind of cool. Another thing I'd mention, you know, you kind of mentioned uh uh, you know, different outlets. I would I would advise against going to a liquor store and I mean I there are people out never go to a liquor store to buy wine. A grocery store is way better. A grocery store is way better. Wine shop is the best. I mean, I'd say Specs downtown they have a fantastic selection, so you can. I, I would think Total Wine and Specs. I don't think of them as a liquor store. Yeah, they're not. They're not really. They're a big box, you know, kind of alcohol warehouse, everything. But what I'd say is, even in those big box stores or mm-hmm. things like that, those type of stores. But uh, beware of the advice you get. Oh, that's a great point. Uh, that, yeah, that for is that reason. That that's kind of the thing that I now there there are some people who truly like ha- they know what they're talking about and at least they know have some knowledge and that's not generally the case. But a lot of there are sometimes that that happens. Now there is a really good wine store here where we're located in Houston. Um, like Houston Wine Merchant. If you go in there, they're going to give you a great... Uh, it's more of a boutique wine shop, but they're going to give you a great s- uh, suggestion on what to what to have. You can tell them what you're having for dinner or anything like that, and they'll give you a and great budget. Suggestion. They're going to ask you yeah. what you want to spend. Yeah. They're it, not trying to push an expensive bottle on you. So there are stores that, that, that are good, that are more specialized in wine. Uh, that, Vinology is another one I like. Yeah. That, uh, again, more of... A focus on the wine and everything yeah. like that. Some of the stores that you run across just 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 kind of be a little bit skeptical. Is what I'm saying. Like if somebody gives you a suggestion, you know, research the topic before and then. Well, let's just say what it is. Uh, when you made the point on these big box stores, and, and here in Texas, the two big ones are, are Total Wine and Specs. Yeah, they buy what is kind of a direct buy that they purchase uh, in a higher volume, so they want their reps to push that. Right, <laughs> and so these guys. And gals are trying to get you to buy this because they need to move that that volume of that what they've purchased. So, uh, to me, beware if somebody just starts you know pushing a wine on you without really understanding where you are in wine, uh, what you like to drink, what you're currently drinking, what your budget is. You know, all those kind of things matter yeah. in what you're going to purchase. And if they're not asking you that and getting to know you, and secondly, you want to develop a relationship wherever you start buying wine. You want that person, you know, you want to go back to kind of that wine shop or a store that has a good selection where you continue to buy because hopefully the person helping you is going to give you some good ideas, some good suggestions on wine. You like them. You can go back. You can talk about some things, maybe make another suggestion. And that person should be understanding. Hopefully they have some experience in wine. They can be understanding your palate, how you're changing what you're looking for, and kind of help you down this road of, of wine that you're trying to travel. There's another thing I want to kind of mention, and I and I think it's it's worth it if you go to a high end restaurant and they do have a sommelier on staff. Do not be afraid to ask for the sommelier, even if it's not an expensive wine. Yeah, because a lot of times those guys uh, can give you a, a. I mean, they can give you a great suggestion, and then I will tell you another little piece of information, and I've learned this in in. You know, since I've gone through my wine journey, you start saying, hey, what kind of, I don't know, I'll just throw it out, Franciacorta type wines you have. The the sommeliers will kind of go, oh, you know about that. Oh, yeah. Uh, let me, 
Oh, I got a good suggestion for you. You know, this, so they know I got an, a somewhat experienced wine guy sitting yeah, in front of me. Yeah. But don't don't feel intimidated to talk to those guys. I, I guess is the thing because you know they are they're there to help you. It's not they're not there. I mean, maybe some of them are there to spend uh, to sell really really expensive wine, but they can give you suggestions in a price range based yeah. on what you're going to order. So, like, use it. That's how you learn too. Have the conversation. Yeah. Yeah, you know. talk to people who know what they're talking about, you know? And by all means, if that guy's just trying to push a more expensive bottle than what you want to spend that night, forget it. That's He's not doing his job, you I, know, or I, she's I, not doing her job. You know, I they found when to. talking to these guys that, that most of these guys, if you show that you have some general knowledge of wine, they're – they're not going to mess with you, okay? You know, uh, and and it, you know, it's it's not like oh, I'm going to push this oh, three hundred dollar Bordeaux on you or something like that, yeah. you know? Uh, no, uh, so so that's just something to you know, if you're ever at a, a, a really fancy restaurant that has a sommelier, don't be afraid to talk to the guy. Yeah, totally agree with that. I would say also getting into wine, um, you know, if you're in the states like we are, a lot of people start in Napa, which is fine. But as quickly as you can, broaden your horizons out to other regions. Uh, one, because there's some fantastic wines made all around the globe. And two, your budget will appreciate that. I mean, Napa makes some great wines, but uh, from sure. a cost-to-value kind of equation, they're a little pricey. We'll be back after a quick break. Hey, Bar & Grill fans, it's Jim with Madhouse Bar Talk, where me and my co-hosts sit around and talk about the things going on around Madhouse Bar & Grill in Elyria, Ohio. The whole conversation is unscripted, uncensored, and unedited. Anywhere where you stream podcasts, just remember, Madhouse Bar Talks, baby! Agreed. Agreed. Um... I'd say from that perspective, most people get into Napa wines because it's the biggest section of every grocery store that's in America, right? I mean, and they went there, and they, yeah, (laughs) I mean, and you, and a lot of people go take trips to Napa. But you did make a great point about grocery stores because that's really well. We're speaking for the Houston kind of Texas market. When you go to these bigger grocery stores that have a decent wine selection, you're right. You nailed it. Most of it's. Napa wines, not so much old world stuff. Oh, they're, they're slapping you in the face with yeah. Napa wines. Yeah. Uh, and, I, I mean, trust me, there's some good Napa wines. Value-wise, though, man, old world, generally speaking, is just kill, it kills it on value. Yeah. Just, you know, even in, even in some of the areas that you might think are really expensive wines, like a Bordeaux or a... Uh, a, a burgundy or something like that, you can still find value in there in those areas. Absolutely. You know, uh, you don't have to have first growth, whatever, like for it to be a good, for, for it to be a good wine. Oh, absolutely not. And, and even in Napa, some second label stuff from some big producers over there uh, still might be a little pricey, but a much better value than some of the higher end things. Well, I, I'm not a particular, like I, I will, I've said this on the show. I'm not a, Huge Pinot Noir fan, but some Burgundy wines are really, really good. And you can find some Burgundy wines that are $50 or, or below that are pretty good. I mean, that that are actually outstanding wines. Well, I think so, too. 
But that, that's the point of, of expanding and getting out of just Napa if you're starting there. Because all over France, you can get great values, whether you're in Bordeaux or you go down to Southern Rhone or wherever you want to yeah. go, Burgundy and Beaujolais. Yeah. Um, same in Italy, same in, you know, Australia, another New World, Chile, Argentina, these other New World locations. All these places are making some fantastic wines and have some really good values. And not only for your budget, but just exploring a grape that's from Napa or made in Napa, not from Napa, but made in Napa, like Cabernet. Yeah. And what they're doing with that on left bank in Bordeaux, what they're doing with that in Australia, what they're doing with that in Argentina, same grape, but weather and terroir and all this different, you know, and the wine style from, from the winemaker and, and what you get in the bottle is going to be completely different and having an open mind and going, I want to, you know, appreciate what's being done with this wine all around the globe. That's, that's part of the fun, part of the journey. Instead of going, I've had this, you know, Cabernet from Napa. I like it. Well, Bordeaux doesn't taste like that. So I don't like theirs, you know? Yeah. And and I I don't know if a lot of people are like this, but this is how I am. History is really fun to me. I I love history. It's one of my favorite, one of my favorite subjects. And if you start getting into, Hey, what, what makes the Rhone Valley special? And you see, oh, the Romans started planting grapes there, uh, you know, or it, the maybe even the Greeks planted grapes. The the history of of these of these wines is really cool, yeah. uh, and, and it's something you could kind of geek out on and go, man, I really want to try one of these wines. What does it taste like? You know, it gives you some motivation to want to you know dive in a little deeper. I, I think you bring up a great point because when you drink wine, understanding the history of just that bottle. You know, one, the history of the, the producer, and if, you go, if it's something you like, you go, okay, I like this. Tell me more about it. You know, yeah, that's typically right. where you go. And then you learn about the producer, and then you learn when was this made. And, okay, this was, you know, I think about my daughter who turned 21 and my son buying a birthier bottle and saying, hey, when you were born, this is when they were stomping grapes and putting it in the bottle. Right. And thinking back, that kind of nostalgia with wine, I think, is really cool, too, that you can kind of build memories and buy bottles for future significant moments that you can, you know, open those bottles up and, and create new memories and new experiences with family or friends or whatever it might be. Oh, Makes yeah. it really cool. Yeah. And, and I don't know. I, I've, I've just, uh, I've always liked, uh, I've always just, I found, uh, <laughs> we've used the term extreme hobbyist before, you know, I, we are, we, we've, uh, I think, I think Chris, ruling gave us that one uh yeah but uh, but anyway you know like when i find something about wine if i like you know if i want to learn about a region i i just i youtube the crap out of it i look at how what, what happened there and and that's just fun that's just yeah. part of the journey right absolutely um i'll say another thing uh, kind of a different subject but uh knowing this can be a good general thing knowing when there was a really good year in a particular region like italy like france uh, as an example 2016 was a great growing year in italy and i think even in france as yep. well knowing that from an old world perspective start targeting that yeah because you'll have less misses than than hits yeah know? yeah it's thought if in those years if you can't make good wine you, you really screwed something up you know, yeah. So it should be, you know, at the least, it should be good wine. With a good winemaker, it's probably great fantastic. or fantastic wine. You yeah. know that that yeah. kind of thing. 
so it just just something to to kind of throw out there. At, you know, and I think it's a great point because the flip of that is know if it's a really bad year. Yeah, know if you need to stay away from that. You know, in some sense, there's that, you know there's still some winemakers that still may do a good job, but for the most part, you might go in general not a great year in, in you know for whatever reason too wet or whatever but uh, that's a great point no and i'd say of... there's some good publications out there that that, that that you would trust i mean what are your some of your go-to's wine enthusiast wine spectator probably yeah. the two big ones that i would go to other than you know youtube stuff uh i think if you're going to get an app on your phone seller tracker is probably my favorite yeah for really getting uh, good information about specific bottles for specific vintages. Yeah. And then what I like about Cellar Tracker, too, is it also gives you that window of when it's prime for drinking. Yes. So you know, because you might buy, to your point, of a, a great year. Might be 2016, but it might say that particular bottle, the best time to drink it is 2024 through 2041. Yeah. And so you go, I need to sit on it for a couple of years to really you know, start to get something good out of that bottle or, right. or what it should be. It's probably still good, but to really kind of maximize. What yeah, you I, I think those publications, that, Wine Enthusiast is one of my go-tos, you yeah. know, Wine Spectator, you know, those type of things. Uh, I, I don't have the Seller Tracker app, but I've looked at it. Like, I've looked at many, 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 many you, times on, like, the website telling when you get, when you can drink something. So maybe I need to get the app. Yeah. Well, and you're starting to stock your new refrigerators. So you might as well, as you fill them up, you might as well start building your cellar in the cellar tracker. So, so I'd say like, yeah, some of those rely, those are kind of some of the more reliable sources to go to that that give you pretty good, honest opinions on things. Uh, I mean, I, I, I would kind of like when you see, Oh, Certain amount of point scale, probably something to mention. Uh, yeah. So, if it's a wine enthusiast, you know, most use the hundred point scale. Use the hundred point scale, but if if they've rated it highly, I'd say okay. Generally speaking, I trust that you know that opinion. But make sure that like if it just says ninety seven points next to it. Who who gave it ninety seven points? You know, it was ninety seven. I'm gonna say that was probably suckling. Yeah, <laughs> and I think that I would love to have that guy on the show sometime, and I'd love to talk. How to do him, you have but, so many hundred point wines? But how does he have so many damn hundred point wines? <laughs> I'm sure he knows what the hell he's talking about. But you I'm know, sure he does. But uh, I, the, the the two magazines that we're talking about, I do like those because. They typically have, you know, uh, wine people that cover specific regions, and that's what they know, and that's what they study, and they're stay informed on it. So when you get that feedback from those people, it's because that's their world, that's their lane, that's what they're 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 reporting on and giving back to you. Um, same with Seller Tracker. I think it's really good wine people who put information on there. I know that some people listening may go, well, what about Vinvino? It's a decent app. My my issue with that is. Um, it's, it's, it's ratings of everybody. And I don't want to say it's just in the States, but I think it's probably more in the States than around the world. So I think I've come to find that California wines rate very high and old world wines are like not very highly rated. And I think it's because to what we've talked about before, understanding the different regions and they just don't appreciate. So I don't value that as much. It, I, I like, uh, sometimes I like using it because, uh, it's really simple. I mean, it's like take a picture and it um, yeah. immediately generates it. And, and then you can kind of at least sometimes they, you For know, that reason, it's good just to get a quick, a quick kind of idea of it. What's in the, what's the grapes in here? That yeah. Kind of yeah. Stuff. That kind of stuff. But as far as opinion, just think of it like Yelp, 
I mean, it's just like, you know, it's complete subjective, subjective stuff. So, so just kind of keep that in mind. I mean, I don't, I don't think it's bad, but I don't think it's great either. Yeah. (laughs) That's kind of the way I feel about it. Um, Another thing I'd say on the point scale, just because somebody rated something an eight, uh, uh, an eighty nine rather than a ninety two, or whatever, that does not make that a bad wine. No, I I, I just I, I have to like stress this that this point scale thing it's it starts nice. at fifty so people know yeah it starts at fifty it's a nice guideline but don't hold it as gospel yeah because it is one person rating it. Yeah, used to be thought, you know, 87, 88, 89, that was still a very good wine. You know, it was a yeah. solid wine to, to drink. Uh, I don't know. I guess it's been the last maybe four, five, six years. It's like if it's not a 90-point wine, people are, like, shitting on it. And I'm like, dude, this can still be a solid wine. And I find now that I can find some wines that are rating 88, 89, and a lot of times the price will go down because – you know, they can't move it, so they, they mark it down a little, and then I can snatch them up for a nice little quality drinker. Well, something to keep in mind, too, is they're rating the wine at its present state. Like, they're rating the wine. They open the bottle right now, and then they're rating the wine. That doesn't mean with five, six, eight years of age that that wine couldn't get better. Yeah. Uh, that doesn't mean, you know, you know, I know that they can kind of look at the structure of the wine and say, like, oh, I think this is good for aging, you know, based on, like, what, what they're getting now. But that's that's very subjective, right? I mean, that, that you, time is going to do a lot of things, you know, and it's hard to predict that. There are, you know, like anything, you, you start with the quality of the vines and the grapes, the fruit sure. you get. And so, depending on what you're getting... There is something, you know, to be said for the quality of the fruit and how long it might age. Uh, the wine process also has, you know, how they're making wine also plays a part in that sure. as well. Um, so I don't want people to think. There's so, nothing to it. Yeah, there, but, there, there, there is some to it. And there are some wines that are worth, you know, laying down for a while. You know, I still have some Sasakayas in from several years ago that I haven't opened yet. And I'm yeah. looking forward to opening those. Um but there's also wines that are a lot of wines that are made today to be drank today. Yeah. And California comes to mind for that. Uh, yeah. You could throw a few years of age just to kind of see what it does. Uh, and usually they have two on them already, you know, when yeah. they're released. They're usually two years old. I think really anything like California, if it's like, if you want to age it, if you want to quote unquote age it, you know, five to seven years is probably where you want to go. Maxing out. Maxing out. I know? agree. I've got some that have that that are very very good quality wines that have aged longer. You know, for example, when we we opened that Bacchus from Phelps, you know, sure. that's a very very high quality wine. It was from two thousand and five, but that's you're really having to pay a lot of money for a right. wine, and like, we're not talking about those today. We're they're, not talking about they're that. They're out yeah. there, but we're not talking about you know hundred acres and all that. Stuff. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so we're talking about what you go to the you know a quality store, a yeah. wine shop, or a good you know grocery store that has a good wine selection, buying something for twenty five thirty bucks, right? And knowing that you can drink it now, or to your point, you know five years, something like that, six years, you need to drink it. Otherwise, you know. Because again, wine's that living thing in that bottle. It's it's going to get to its peak, and then it's going to start to deteriorate. And so. that's not saying that there might be some outliers there that like 
that whoa, this Absolutely. blind aged extremely well, and you know, holy crap, you know, yeah, it's still on the upward peak, yeah, yeah. But but generally speaking, you know, yeah. five to seven years is where I'd kind of keep that California. If you're gonna if you want to age something, that's probably a good good rule of thumb. What about telling people that want to get into white and they go, should I try whites or should I? Did I say whites? Get into whites. Get into wines. Get into wine. Yeah. Yeah. And they go, should I try whites or should I just go right to reds? Is there a one's better than the other? Or they're both, you know, for the very beginning, I think white wine is more approachable. Just personal opinion. Now I'm sure there's probably other people who think totally differently, but for me, white wine is very approachable. Uh, you can use white wine to kind of develop your palate. You can start kind of tasting the notes that, the you know, kind of picking up on uh, what's on the nose, uh, you know, How's the finish? How's the mouth feel? How's the, you know, it, it, the, certain things. You can say balance is another thing. You know, the acidity, how does it balance with the sweetness of the wine or whatever. You can start with white wines and it's a lot easier to get into. To me. To me. Yeah, I think that's a fair point. I think uh, I would say I didn't start with whites. I was kind of that red guy. Me either. Uh, I actually I, didn't start with whites either. But, yeah. uh, but now that I... You know, <laughs> yeah. Now, now I, I've come around to whites in the last couple of years. I used to be, I'm a red guy. I'm a red guy, and uh, you know, again through the journey that we take, uh, I've come to you know kind of be a little more open minded about white wines and try them a little bit more. And I've really come to enjoy and appreciate white wine, especially this time of year in August oh, yeah. in, in South Texas. I mean, it's freaking hot. Um, we I think talking. you've recently become a fan of uh, champagne, right? Uh, yeah, love the bubbles now. I mean, one of my, <laughs> so, <laughs> probably going to pop a bottle tonight with pizza. Uh, Just nice. in honor of you. Uh, thank you. Yeah. I appreciate that. Uh, one of my favorite combos. I know it is. Uh, you know? uh, but, but yeah, I, I, what I would say is I think most people, not all people, but most people tend to like a sweeter wine when they get into it. So even if you go, I want to try a red, you might look for something that might be a little sweeter. Um, I, I would stay away from the big box stores that are, you know, doctoring up the wines. Yeah, you know, right. To make them, to kind of make them more approachable, younger, or just taste different, and sugars and all this other stuff. And I, I would stay towards trying to find a quality wine that your palate likes and then working from there. Uh, but getting into wine and, and, and the sweetness of it, I would say there's a place for sweet wines. Yeah. I mean, sweet wines are great. But when you get into red wines, you don't want to stay in the the sweet category forever. You want to get into the dry wines and the other right. things that are. So try to make that progression. You know, work towards that. Understand that that's what I'm trying to get to. Yeah. And I think uh, think you'll enjoy wines in the world of wines a lot more, a lot quicker if you can kind of know that that's what I'm trying to work towards. Yeah, yeah, I I I I, I agree with you there. Uh, I I've you know like like you said I I started out red and man i've i've found that i'm drinking more white wine these days than a well, lot of red it wine. summer it's summertime so it kind of but you got to remember that white wines are getting you know crisper cleaner green apples you might get different fruits like peaches and apricots and things like that yeah. where 
white wine, I mean, red wines, now you're going to get into the, the red fruits, the raspberries, the strawberries, the dark fruits, the, 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 the dark cherries and the plums. plums and the, and, yeah, and so, yeah. so it's, it really is two different worlds, but I, my point would be they're both fantastic. So yeah. whichever one you're kind of drawn to for whatever reason, my point would be don't exclude the other one. I get agree. into both. Uh, and, and, and would this be a good segue into tasting Tasting yeah. wine, that kind of stuff. Maybe you know, glassware. Glassware. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think glassware is a good place to start. Uh, I, I'd say it matters. Uh, it, 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 it really does. Um, Not only does it matter, it's. I think it's very important. It is. Uh, you know, like at my house, and I was telling Rob this ahead of time. Uh, at my house, we actually only have three different wine glasses. Uh, that's not necessarily the right way to do it, but that they're, they're have specific uses, right? I have a champagne glass. Don't use champagne flutes. Just going to go ahead and say that. Yep. You, you want to have something that where you can nose the wine. If you fill a champagne flute up to the very top, you cannot nose that wine. You can't swirl the wine. You can't swirl the wine. You can't open up the, you can't, I mean, you can't, you're very limited. Flutes are made for mimosas. That's it. Yeah. Yeah, Exactly. I have a white wine glass that is similar to the glass that we actually have in front of us right now. Uh, and, uh, you know, it's it's a little bit narrower, but it's not, you know, it's not narrow. Yeah. Uh, I wouldn't say that. Uh, and, uh, and then I have more of a, I guess you would consider it like a Bordeaux glass, yeah. but, you know, it, it's a... It's it's larger, kind of big base to it, that kind of stuff, and that's for red wine. And that's just what I use. Now... Which is fine. And, and you know... Really, I know you guys can't see it, but the wine we have, the glass we have in front of us, you could use this for red wine. Oh, you could. Uh, yeah, yeah. And, and if a restaurant poured a red wine in this, I wouldn't be like, oh, God. No, I wouldn't know, be like, upset with that. You know, I'd, I'd be fine. Uh, but, the, but the point in wine glasses is it needs to be a tall enough glass. It needs to have a wider base that kind of funnels, narrows to the top so that it funnels those aromas and and flavors of the wine out through the the top absolutely and you want it deep enough so that you can pour a a decent amount in the glass with room to what you know swirling the wine working the wine opening up the wine letting those you know yeah i mean as you open a wine or as you know you open a wine it's as oxygen gets to it it changes the wine Uh, i mean if you think about wine it's in an anaerobic situation like I, it, if if there is there is no oxygen, well, supposed to not be any oxygen. Very little bottom. coming through. It's there, a porous cork, so yeah, yeah. yeah there are going to be some, but but in theory, you're supposed to not have any oxygen in there, yeah. right? Once you introduce oxygen, it starts having its effect on the wine. Yeah. It starts oxidizing the wine, and as, as over time, you. Well, the, the flavor, the aroma, everything can change. And, and wine is part of that experience, being able to enjoy it. You know, the first glass you pour and you, and, and you swirl it, you kind of go through it. Maybe, you know, you spend 20, 30 minutes on that. The next glass you pour might be totally different yep. because there's more oxygen has been introduced. Um, so, so anyway, I, I say that to go back to the wine glasses thing. It matters for that from that perspective. You know, you want to be able to have the oxygen introduced into the glass. You want to be able to pick up the nose of the wine. You want to. If I just drank wine for just the the, the palate and the finish and everything, that would you'd just be 
Why, why limit yourself to that? Hey, do you ever want to eat a meal with a clothespin on your nose? Like, you walk in and can't smell anything. Uh, hell no. I mean, that's one of our uh, eating, drinking senses, right, is smell. You know, yeah. that's kind of setting you up for what you're going to get. And uh, um, so, to your point, you've got to be able to. And you don't want to cheat the wine. And that's the whole point about the glass. You know, if you don't have a, a, a decent glass, I'm not saying you have to have the best glass. Just have a decent glass. You don't have to spend a lot of money on it. Yeah. You can get you can go to a TJ Maxx or a, um, a Marshalls or something like that, and you can get a four-pack for like 10 bucks. Yeah. You know, of a decent glass that I would drink wine out of. And start there. Oh, and, yeah. And, and the whole point is not to cheat that bottle of wine. Get out of that bottle what you can, what it's supposed to give you, and the glass is very important in doing that. I'd also say this, and I know you you do this all the time. Don't be afraid to go to a restaurant and bring your own wine glass. Uh, part of the snobbery that I talked about, not not in a bad way, but yeah. I mean, I think I mentioned to you that Sandra and I a couple weeks ago went to a, a restaurant that we'd been to down in, in, in Sugarland, and we went to one that's out here in Katy and thought it would have the same wine glass selection, you know, stocked the same way. Yeah. It didn't, and we took two pretty nice bottles of wine and they had very small short stemmed very small i mean not bigger than a i mean i wish it were it's like a glen karen yeah you know and uh i told sandra i go either we're not drinking wine or we need to call ian our son and have him bring us up some glasses and so she's like well i want wine so i called ian and there you go she went out front and got two wine glasses I, we're I wine think, snobs i think you can feel pretty confident that like if you go to like a steakhouse like here like a papa steakhouse or it's something like that they're gonna have the appropriate wine glasses, well and and, and, and remember we said we took her bottle so we were going to a place that doesn't have a liquor license but they're generous and kind and allow you to bring in your own bottles for a corkage fee which i'm fine with um so whenever I go somewhere, a restaurant where I'm allowed to bring my own bottles, by default now, I bring my own glass. Oh, yeah, Why yeah. risk it? Yeah, yeah. I definitely say for a, a good rule to go by is if it's a BYOB place, just bring your own glasses. Bring your own glass. Yeah. You, know, you just, there's no risk of disappointment. Yeah. Um, and, and, uh, and we have that, what I call a universal glass that, you know, it's kind of that teardrop shape and it's. Got the curved limb second row up on the left. Oh, yeah. And it works for a white wine just fine. And yeah. then it transfers to a red wine just fine. So when we go out and we're going to have a bottle of white and a red and whatever, yeah. that's the glass we take. It's universal. And, and, and I will say this. I mean, you can go, like, there's there are makers like Rydell or, like, you know, different people out there that make specific. Spend it if you want to. They make specific wine glasses for specific varietals or, like, whatever. Fine. If you want to do that, great. But I'd say you do need to have kind of at least what I have, which is good champagne glasses, good wine glasses, or a good white wine glasses, good red wine glasses. Yep, yep. I think if you have those three, you're fine. Even if you just had a champagne glass, if you're gonna, if you're going to get into champagne, if you're not going to get into champagne, shame on you. Yeah, that's a shame. Uh, but I uh, I will say this: if they do not at a restaurant have a uh, uh, champagne glasses, good champagne glasses, meaning not flutes. White wine glass. Tell them to pour it in a white wine glass. Yep. Yep. I think that that's just a good rule of thumb. Yep. Um, totally agree. Another thing is uh, that I'd like to like kind of mention that 
I don't know, kind of goes off of this, is decanting wine. Uh, and once you kind of get to that level where you're, where you want to decant a wine, uh, there are differing thoughts, uh, but my general rule of thumb on decanting wine is that the younger the wine, it needs to be decanted longer, and the older the wine, it needs to be decanted less. I totally agree with you. And so I think most people think it's the reverse. Yeah, most people think it's the reverse. Somebody opens up a you know 1970 left bank Bordeaux, I wouldn't decant that for more than 30 minutes. You know, yeah. I'd say get, get after it because there, there's really, I mean, there's no tannins in that wine anymore, right? Yeah, or, or very little. Yeah. Hope, hopefully there's some. But there's yeah, some, very yeah, little. hopefully some. Yeah. But they're very little. I mean, that that that's going to come out of the bottle like brick red. Yeah. But like, you bring up a good point that getting into wine you know, there's certain bottles when you're with a group of people, maybe you're just drinking and you're drinking, you're not thinking about the wine. But there's some bottles when you're having a dinner and you're really trying to enjoy the wine that you want to think about it. To your point about tying the glass and kind of pouring it and things, pour it, drink it right after you open it, a sip, just a little bit. Yeah. And then wait 20 minutes, pour a little bit more, let it open up. And then whenever you're ready, pour it in the glass, drink it, take 20, 30 minutes to drink that glass. And see how that wine changes, because especially red wines, they're going to change in the glass. Very much so. And I think that's part of the enjoyment of drinking wine is that experience of how the wine's drinking as you're enjoying your meal or your conversation or whatever it might be. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I agree. Um, I'd also say uh, if you are going to kind of continue your journey and start uh, you get a wine fridge, you, you, you lay down wine. And that, that, that's a great point, though, that you're bringing up. How, how should we tell people? Well, I'll let you go ahead first, but we need to talk to about, is your goal just to learn to drink wine, or are you getting to a point where, because I think you need to have six bottles of wine in your house at all times, maybe th- depending on what you like, three white, three red, yeah. two white, four red, whatever it is, but you never know when you're going to want to open a bottle when you have people over. So, but go ahead. I didn't yeah. even cut you off. As far as like, you know, and I guess the point I was making is if you're getting to where this is becoming less of just drinking a bottle once in a while and this is becoming like, okay, I have a couple bottles a week, you know, I'm, I want to kind of learn a little bit more about wine. I want to see what age does to wine and things like that. The good thing to do is invest in a wine cooler. Uh, you know, you don't, a, a, a big misconception is that white wine and red wine need to, uh, to age at different temperatures. They do not. No. Uh, you, you, you know, I think what, what's the general rule of thumb, like 50 to 58 or something like that? Well, I mean, most people, I think people I know would say, you know, white wines are around 54 degrees and red wine 58 to 60 but there's also this rule of when you pull a white wine out you put it in the fridge for 20 minutes to get it a little chiller exactly and red wines you let just sit out for 20 minutes before you correct so yeah. i mean there's but but if, if you you're have, in that temperature range you know of you know the 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 low 50s to the you know buy a single uh uh what do they call it zone, Chain, zone wine refrigerator don't don't say you I don't need to buy need a, a dual. dual you do yeah. not need a dual zone yeah. i have one small dual zone and yeah. the only reason i have that is for like for white wine and yeah. I, I just it's the white wine that i want to drink like right now yeah <laughs> so that's yeah that's it but so i'd say you know that, that that's a good thing to invest in if and it's not a very 
it can be a big expense if you buy monster ones, but you can buy a you know a, a decent single zoned wine cooler for you know a few hundred bucks. It's not now, that, and if you live somewhere where you have a basement and it's just cool and humid and dampy all the time, then I always just, forget about that. You can build out a cellar if you have a you know a, a staircase under the the a closet under the staircase or something like that could work as well. But for us in Texas. We don't have those things. Yeah, so refrigerator is what we're, we're sitting at sea level because heat <laughs> heat is the worst thing for one. Yeah. yeah. Hey, oh, and, and that's another good point. This is something I would like to bring out is that anytime that wine gets above eighty five degrees, oof. bottle shock. Yeah, it, you, you could cook that wine. So don't go to the grocery store if you're in the south during the summertime. Buy buy a bunch of wine. Let it sit in in your in your car for a couple of hours. Or well, you then, go to Academy to do some shopping or something. Yeah, yeah. Don't do that. Yeah. Just don't do that. that yeah. And, you know, it, it, nothing's wrong with, like, it being in the air conditioned and all that kind of stuff, you know, in transportation or whatever. But yeah, uh, and, and 30 minutes, if you got to, you know, run in somewhere, it's not going to kill it. But a couple of hours, that wine could get you cooking. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. avoid that at all costs. Uh, yeah. And and another thing I'd say that's a good investment is the uh, the wine pool. Uh, I, mean, I think we uh, the one I've got is called Divine uh, because you know because corks are fragile. Uh, they over time for older wines for older wines. Talking yeah. about like when you're opening an older wine, if you put just a corkscrew down in there. You're cruising for a bruising, man. Yeah, that that could uh, that could disintegrate easily, and and then. But getting into wine, a corkscrew is fine. Oh, Start a corkscrew is great. Got to yeah, have yeah, a corkscrew, yeah. you know. And you don't need anything. Double lever where you got the first and then finish it. And uh, and just so people know, a screw top does not mean it's a cheap wine. Doesn't mean it's a bad. No, it wine. doesn't. Uh, screw tops are perfectly fine, whether on a red or a white. Just yeah. just so people know. That doesn't mean it's a bad quality wine. Not at all. Uh, I, Some I, would say it's it's. Better preserved with a screw top. Uh, I I would be one of those people, okay. but but uh, anyway. Uh, so so yeah, don't have that conception. But like, don't you don't have to get some fancy gadget to open a bottle of wine. Like it's there's no just get a simple double action wine key uh, and and you're good. I love how you call it a wine key. I've never heard that until today. <laughs> just always called it a corkscrew. Yeah. So yeah. so that's it. That's I mean awesome. that's really all you need. And and honestly at every high end restaurant that you go to, that's all they're going to have. And I want to tell you if you ever get to a point in wine where you think I'm into it now, I should get a Corvan. You shouldn't. I've got one. <laughs> I paid 300 and whatever dollars for it and uh I don't know that I've ever used it, but I'm also, I, I shouldn't say you shouldn't get one. It is a tool that can be used. It's just, I guess I found, I thought I would use it, but I found that when I want to open a good bottle or a pour from a good bottle, typically I just open it and like, let's go, let's share, let's get into it. I found it useful uh, over the last year uh, because uh, my wife was pregnant and she was not obviously drinking. And when I would like to have a night where I would drink wine, I would on a on a Wednesday night maybe not want to open an entire bottle of wine. Uh, and the Coravan was good point was good for that. It yeah. was it, it helped me get through pregnancy. 
That, that's a that's a very fair point, but for those of us who are not quitters, we open the bottle and finish the whole damn thing. <laughs> okay, okay. But for guys like you, I, I totally get that. You know, a sippy sippy here and there. Well, what if you, you. Look, well, in this case, what if you wanted to start out with a white wine and and and, and finish with a red wine? It makes it a good night. That's a great night <laughs> yeah. right there. Yeah, that's yeah. a that's a bad morning. And then if you open a Sauternes after that, it's a fantastic. Oh, night. okay. Oh, God. So, and think about how easy pregnancy would have been if you were three bottles in every night. I mean, you wouldn't even remember it. I wouldn't even remember it. <laughs> it would have been like, what? Oh, yeah, that's how that happened. Uh, but yeah, I, I think they have their place. But like, they're you make a valid point. For me, I haven't been able to use it. But for those who who think it's a tool that they should they want to use or need to use you you give a great example it's a good way to try it's just expensive it is expensive so you know that cost to how much am i going to use it yeah you know it's an expensive tool maybe they'll come down maybe something else will be introduced into the market that's a a better value for those kind of things but uh right now that's my issue with. i think they're very specific right so like if you're like let's say you wanted to explore a bunch of wines from a particular region during a, a, a like a particular year and it was just me and you and we had you know a dozen bottles sitting out here or something like that it's and we want good night it's gonna be a good night yeah real good night <laughs> we, we would probably want to pour you know small amounts and do some comparing and con- contrasting and things like that i think there's a place for it I, I, in that scenario, yes, but you know what we're going to do. Well, yeah. We're going to invite people over, cook food, and have a party. I, I guess I'm not completely shitting on it. That's no, why, no, that's and I'm not saying. either. I'm not either. <laughs> yeah. I'm just giving you a hard time. Yeah. There, there is definitely a place for it in the right It just hasn't. I bought it, and I have buyer's remorse because I, I don't use it. I wouldn't buy one right off the bat. Yeah. You know, this is, this is way down the line when you're doing some, you know, like I said, you're going through a bunch of wines. You want to do yeah. like a tasting or something like that, you know. With just go. a couple of people. With just a couple people, yeah. yeah. But talking about wines and being open, this is a good kind of transition into how long can a bottle of wine stay open oh. and you can still drink it? Uh, white wine is different than red wine. Uh, I'd say white wine, you know, Three to five days, you could theoretically. I mean, you're you're pushing it at five days, but like you, you could two to three days, no problem. Yeah, two to three days for sure, uh, as long as it's in the refrigerator and you know corked, corked. and and everything. I actually get those uh, uh, the the corks that like pull all the oxygen out. So oh, I've never used those. So, those those, so might those, be those work pretty well, you know. Um, Cheaper but, than a Corvin too. Very yeah, yeah. They're not as they're not as good as a Corvette either. But uh, but but yeah, not bad. Uh, a red wine, you got to go sub forty eight hours. Yeah. I mean, maybe even less. There, than that. There are some exceptions to every rule. But yeah. That's kind of a, a pretty safe rule. Yeah. forty eight hours. Yeah. Do you refrigerate it or you don't refrigerate it? I, I would refrigerate it. Yeah, I think that slows it down. It slows down yeah. that that whole process. So yeah, yeah, that's 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 what I do. Uh, don't let don't let anybody pour you a, a a bottle of red wine that's been open a week of something that's not something special and taken care of in the right way. Yeah, <laughs> that's 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 what I'll say. Won't hurt you physically, but not going to be pleasant to the palate. No. And for those that don't know wine that well, they might not know, is that a good wine or a bad wine? And they might see that bottle and go, well, I don't want to buy that. It's not good. When really the wine's just past its its prime and it's really would have been good if it was drinking when it should have been. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. 
I, I I'd definitely say that's that's something to keep in mind. The new the new wine drinkers, uh, you know, just uh, just know you got to there on a on a red wine. You got to there's a clock. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So that's why I said don't be a quitter. You open it up, finish that bad boy. And I'd say like just a general rule of thumb: if the if the wine starts tasting a, a little bit like vinegar, you're done. Yeah. That's it. I mean... Well, you can still use it. Just cook with it. Cook with it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, like, but that that's kind of a thing. Like, you'll pick it up as you start kind of going along. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, but as you'll notice that, that vinegar taste. Oh, absolutely. And, and that's how you know the wine is turned. And it, very similar to a wine that hasn't been stored properly, that's been aged, or that has had a cork that wasn't really all that great, or whatever the yeah. case may be. You'll get that vinegar taste, like, right off the bat. A couple more things I want to talk to you as we close out this episode. Uh, one is some wine terms that, you know, if you're going to a, a, a wine dinner and things that you want to know what people are talking about when they say things like, uh, I mean, balance might be the first one. That comes to my mind, but balance means something. And it means, you know, when you talk about acidity in a wine, the fruit that's in a wine, Mm -hmm. tannins that are in a wine, it's that these things are working together well to make a very good wine in that bottle. Right. Versus one being way more powerful, whether the fruit or the tannins or whatever. Um, So balance, acidity, fruit, oak, earthiness. These are things in the wine world, if you're getting into it, that you want to kind of put in your mind of, these are terms I'm going to hear quite a bit. Yeah, yeah. I'd say, you know, another, I think tannins is a is an interesting word. Like, if yeah. you were just getting into wine, you'd be like, what, what the hell does tannins mean? Yeah. You know, so, like, well, I'll let you explain tannins. Tannins are going to be what comes from either the stems of the, the vines when the, and, the, and the seeds of the grape or from the barrel, if it's, if it's put in barrel, that if you think about when you take a drink and it just grips your cheeks and just dries out your mouth, mm-hmm. those are tannins that are in that wine. And, you know, tannins are a good thing. Yeah. But again, in balance. So you might open a wine and, and be like, man, the tannins are just gripping on yeah. my mouth. And you might have two more bottles and go, I need to hold off on drinking those other ones and let this bottle continue to, you know, kind of age a little bit. Um, tannins are a great thing. But balance is where, you know, in any wine, balance is what's the most important thing. So same with acidity. Yeah. You want acidity. People hear acidity. And initially, they're going to think, like, lemon and lime and, you know. Not necessarily. Not necessarily. Yeah. So, it's again, it's a balance. You need acidity, especially when you're eating certain foods with wines and things like that. Same with tannins. You need tannins when you're eating certain foods right. with that wine. So these are things that. Terms you're going to hear a lot and learn about fruit, um, the oak, oakiness. And one of my favorites from Old World is the earthiness, you know, the barnyard, the mushrooms. Yeah. You know, that's kind of a funky type of thing. Uh, And and I'd say, like, you know, talking about about tannins and all these things, oxygen, you know, you might hear the term that the wine is a little tight, you know, like it seems a little tight. That, That doesn't mean the wine's bad right now. Oxygen might. Get, open it up. Open it up, and that and that it, you might it may be more tannic at first. Then then at, you wait thirty minutes. You wait you know an hour. Part of what we were talking about in that glass, it's going to continue to change. Yeah. So so, and particularly on younger wines, like if it's a pretty pretty heavy tannin, you know type tannic wine, give it more time to open up. 
that, that would be my suggestion. Uh, you know, the, the oxygen can be your friend with younger wines. Absolutely agree. Absolutely agree. But, you know, learning those terms and kind of the biggest ones being acidity, fruit, tannins, things like that, uh, and then understanding balance, that they're all working together, that one's not overwhelming the wine. Because, you know, you can hear a lot of Napa wines be described as very fruit forward. <laughs> you know, yeah, yeah. that's a fruit bomb. That's a fruit bomb. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. So, uh, and sometimes those are fun to drink. I mean, that's you know, a porch pounder out yeah. back. You I know? love that. I love finish dinner. But, yeah. Uh, but, you know, if you want something more complex, you know, you get. Absolutely. Uh, that, that, that's okay, too. But uh, uh, another thing, I'm going to mention one more thing. This is me off my, my soapbox. I hate it when people crap on people who open a wine and they said you opened it too early didn't know you paid for it did you did you did you buy this bottle yeah. you know like had that happen to me recently yeah and, and 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 to me please don't 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 lock yourself into this this is exactly what i should do with wine and and i have to here's follow, the rules here's They're the black rule and white yeah don't do that if you buy i and I, we've talked about this before Say you buy, you know, a couple bottles of something. Hey, it's fun to see what it tastes like now, and then it's fun to see what it tastes like five, ten years from now. And I think you should do that. With When you have a, a window in drinking wine, you bring up a great point. You should do that. And the particular bottle that I opened the other night, I have like four of them in the fridge, it's at the beginning of its drink window between yeah. 2022 and 2029. So I wanted to see how one is thinking, and I got a comment. Oh, that's way too new to be drinking. And I'm like, whatever, dude. I like them young. So yeah, don't I worry. mean, get, get, anyway, just don't let. There are a lot of there are a lot of helpful people who are into wine, and then there's a lot of people that are just like everybody on the uh, a good portion of what's on the internet. They're WAs. Yeah, they just want to troll, and yeah. they just want to. be... I know more than you. Yeah, it, it, I drink old stuff. But you know what? It's hard to get old stuff. Yeah, why don't you, know. you just you know just just take everybody's opinion with a grain of salt? Is what I say. Yeah. So younger wines, I, I think you know. Again, most wine. There's some wines you really want to sit on, maybe. Yeah. But most wines, if you drink them young. Are you getting what's going to be the best expression from that wine? Probably not. But if you still enjoy it, and you probably will, fine. Didn't what we? Is, uh, it was fine. a few months ago, but we opened up a uh, uh, a Cote de Rhone uh, that was, you know, maybe like a twenty or a was a twenty twenty, yeah. something like that. Thought it was fantastic. Yeah, and we also thought in two years it's going to be really good. Yeah. yeah. So so. It's fine. Stop. It's part stop, of the journey. Stop being like that. You yeah. Know? That does, well, it, you're the people we're talking to aren't like that, but don't be that. Yeah. <laughs> definitely so. don't be that. Enjoy wine. Drink it how you like it. You know. And again, it gets back to it's hard to find old wines, and old wines aren't cheap for the most part. And then you don't know about you know if you're buying them from somebody else, how they were stored and kept. You know, are they still good? So I mean, if if you go to a restaurant and you look at their wine list. You don't see very many things. I'm talking about at a decent restaurant. Yeah. You don't see very many things that are past four or five years old. Everything's pretty young on that wine oh, list. Oh, yeah. It's not like they have a cellar in back going, you know, you want a, a 1978 this or that. I mean, you're, you're talking about a, a totally different restaurant if they have that. And, and 99% of them don't. Yeah, yeah. There, there are some, but I, I mean. Very rare. You know, it's not. It's High not, end. Not common. Not common. Yeah. Michelin star. You, you know, you know what you're like. 
you know that restaurant when you see that restaurant. Yeah. yeah so, yeah, absolutely. I also want to talk about uh, just quickly quality versus do I like it? Just because you don't like a wine, understanding your wine journey, th- certain things that you're going to like and not like, yeah. doesn't mean if you don't like it, it's not a good wine. Just means it doesn't sit well on your palate. So always be aware of, you know, getting back to balance and that kind of being the guide. Is this a good wine versus do I like this wine? You might drink it and go, it's not for me, but I can tell this is a quality wine. And that's kind of why you, where you want to get in your journey is being able to say, is it a good wine? Yes, it's a good wine. Do I like it? Not particularly. That's fine. Yeah. Other than, don't always judge a wine on, do I like it? Because that doesn't tell you whether it's good or not. And early in your journey, you're going to find that uh, right now what you're drinking, fast forward five years, you're going to be like, why the hell was I drinking that? Yeah. Oh, oh yeah. Because <laughs> your palate's going to change. To, to your point, and I'll say this, like, don't be afraid to go revisit wines that you didn't think a few years ago you liked and, and give it a try Absolutely. again. Because I can tell you, like, I always told myself, like, I was like, Freaking Chardonnay. I don't like Chardonnay. I don't like Chardonnay. And then, then you have somebody in say, oh, you ought to try this Chardonnay. And, and I give it a go uh, and go, wow, that's actually a really good wine. What, yeah. what am I doing? You know, I, I, I've had this conception that I hated this particular wine. Yeah. And, uh, and now I can see that there are some good ones. You know, yep. I just got it exposed to the super oaky California, you know, buttery, buttery, quote unquote wines. And I didn't particularly like that. Yep. Then you get some that, oh, yeah, this is good. You know, absolutely. And when you hear Chardonnay and somebody says, you know, white Burgundy, that's Chardonnay. Yes. When you hear somebody say Burgundy and they say Pinot Noir from California, Burgundy is Pinot Noir. That's one of the things you're going to learn in in wine once you get into this is Old World talks about the region, and based on the region tells you what grapes are allowed to be in the wine, where in America and most New World places, you can pretty much do whatever you want, and the bottle will tell you exactly what's in the bottle. Well, generally speaking. Generally speaking, yeah. Yeah. And and Blanc de Blanc is all Chardonnay. Blanc de Blanc, yeah. So So, uh, let's finish up on your, your favorite topic. Okay. Champagne. Tell people. Should they drink it? Should they get into it? Should, should they like it? You should absolutely drink champagne. I mean, I, I'm Good telling, with food? I, great with food. Uh, I mean, we're having a little cheese here uh, as, we're, as we're talking, and some champagne would be great with that. Uh, people it, hear champagne, champagne. It's a little intimidating. Yeah. They think expensive. And by the way, we did an episode with Chris Rulin, who wrote the book, Press for Champagne. Great episode. Great book. For getting into champagne, uh, listen to the episode. Go buy the book. I'm telling you, uh, it's not when you understand it. Like most things, it's not as scary and intimidating as you might think. And really, it's not much. It's a little more expensive. It's a different process. It costs more to make champagne, but definitely worth a few extra dollars for what you're going to get. I, I agree, and, and and not all bubbles sparkling are created equal. Now, when you get champ- great point, uh, when you get champagne. You know what it is. Like, it, it has to go through the bottle aging process. It has to, you know, meet all of the standards. Uh, it has to be made in a particular region. So, champagne. You, you have to, it was champagne. So, you have to follow these rules. Prosecco, for example, very different. Prosecco has its place, mostly in orange juice, but, uh, <laughs> but very, very different. 
Yeah. Now we're talking about it sparkling. In a lot of regions, Cava from Spain, yeah. um, the English make uh, Ridgeview is a solid sparkling wine that's very, very good. Uh, but Italians, as you mentioned it earlier, one of your favorites, if not champagne, you like a... Franciacorta. Which is very, very good. That's a traditional but style. Bubbles, and, and we're not saying you have to live in champagne, but get into the sparklings. There's some quality regions for making sparkling wine. It doesn't have to be champagne. But the champagne is definitely where I think uh, you sh- it should be in one of the regions that you go to explore. You can get, to your point, uh, champagne... 35 bucks, I think Chris Rulin told us, is kind of the floor yeah. for getting what's going to be a good product. So it's not super expensive yeah. to get into champagne. You don't have to spend like a Dom Perignon, 200 bucks for a bottle. Yeah, uh, You can get really good things between, I would say, 35 to 60 bucks. You can get really good champagne from champagne. Yeah, And you would give people uh, some information on the cruise in champagne. Uh, yeah, uh, they don't really matter, <laughs> but I mean, we learned that too, you know, that the it, grand crew and, you know, first crew. It, it, and- it, it, don't worry about that so much. Uh, one thing to note, you know, if you can find the disgorgement date on there, on that champagne, very important, uh, you know, the rule of thumb is you want to drink it two years after disgorgement. Uh, and yep. not saying it would be bad earlier, but it, it's, you know, that's generally what is thought. Yeah. Um, another, I would, I would give a shout out to one American producer of sparkling that's pretty good that does it in the traditional method, which is Schramsberg. Uh, and a lot of people might be able to find that in a grocery store or whatever. Schramsberg actually ages in caves. They do the traditional method. So, you know, if you want an American producer that, that does do same style. Uh, same style. Yeah. Kind of like the Francia Corsa in, in Italy, that kind of thing. Same style. You know, you, that, that would be my shout out there. If, you, if you're just looking for an American sparkling producer. Absolutely. Well, fun conversation, man. Yeah. It's always, always fun to talk about yeah, wine. Yeah, well, love wine, man. Who, and if you don't, you should. You should, yeah. Yeah. I mean, so, it's the greatest. One of my favorite. I mean, I'll take it over bourbon. And I love bourbon. <sighs> yeah. I don't know if I'm there yet, but it's damn good. You're getting closer? We're getting closer. We're, we're, okay, I like that we're closing the gap. I didn't think we ever would. <laughs> now time for a, a bourbon and a Reese's. Oh, so oh. good. So good. Thanks, everybody, for listening to this episode of Food, Wine, and Whiskey. And uh, until our next episode, enjoy your next pour. Of wine. Cheers, everybody. Cheers.